Good evening and welcome everybody. We're so glad that you're here today. Uh, if you're uh, visiting online, we're glad to have you as well. And I must say, it's really fun to just see even a, just a smattering of people. Uh, we were talking about uh, the crackling fellowship uh, that's already taking place. So it sounds really good. I think there's house music going too. I think we could kill that anytime. Um, <laughs> people are getting into it. Uh, so welcome to Grace of Van. We've got a really special thing tonight. Uh, this is Ladies of the Round Table. And uh, these are... These are teachers in our ladies' Bible study. They're the big group. There's still house music going. Thank you. Um, these are teachers of our large group Bible study, the ladies' Bible study. And we, it, we had four at the beginning, I don't, but I don't, I don't know if you've heard of this COVID thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, there's been some exposure, and, and so it, it uh, changed all in the last 24 hours. So it's the three of us, and we're just very excited about that. So I'm going to go ahead and open in prayer. I'll read the passage, and we're going to get into a, an expositional dialogue uh, over this passage in Mark chapter 2. Let us pray. Lord, we pray that you'll bless our time together. Uh, we know that your word is truth, and uh, that by it you sanctify us, and um, you guide us in our, um, in our journey in this Christian life. You bind us together, and you show us yourself specially, particularly, and really. And uh, we appreciate it, Lord. We pray that you'll guide our time, our words, and our fellowship. We pray it for Christ's glory. Amen. All right, reading to you from the Gospel of Mark. This is chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 goes like this. And when Jesus returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they carried, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. Um, and when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. All right. So um, I told the ladies on the front end that there was, they really only know one thing that I'm going to say to them, uh, ask of them, <clears throat> which is this. I don't know if you've ever heard of the 3 a.m. test, but it's a, it, there's a, a, a wonderful uh, godly uh, seminarian named John Frame who um, devise this thing called the 3 a.m. test, and that is when your wife uh, elbows you at 3 a.m. on Sunday, and she says, what's your sermon about in the morning? If you can't say it in one sentence, you are not ready, and, and you know, pity on the poor hearers. Um, so the, the 3 a.m. test, we look at this passage, we say, well, what's this about? When it's all over and people leave and they go, wow, no, 12 chapters in Mark 2, if you had to put it in one crisp statement, what... What is your 3 a.m. answer? Natalie. Jesus came to forgive our sin. Say it again. Jesus came to forgive our sin. Great. Kim. 
Yes, I agree with that. And then I would say he comes to forgive sins more than heal the body. And he knows that's what we need. Forgiveness nice. of sins, not healing of a body that will die again. All right, that's awesome. All right, mine's like that, a little bit different. Um, my, my one sentence, uh, 3 a.m. thing, is Jesus' ministry was and is one of authority. That's kind of a, puts a big umbrella on the top of the whole yep. thing. Um, so let's talk about this passage. We're in Mark 2. What, you know, context is important. What has happened just prior to that? What's happened, happening afterward? Where, where are we in the passage? In, in the passage? Yeah. What happens before and after, and where does this fit into that? All right. A leper was healed before. What did you say? A leper was healed before. Oh, that's right. A leper was healed. Yes. That's good. A leper was healed, and, got, and Jesus told him he was clean, but don't tell anybody. And then what did the guy do? And he told everybody. He told everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now he was uh, quite famous. Yes, Had indeed. become the local celebrity, and everybody wanted to see and hear um, what was going on with this Jesus guy. Yeah. So Jesus, it, it, now people are coming to him from every quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he can no longer go openly in a town. I mean, he is right. instantly uh, famous. And so he s- tends to seek quiet, desolate places to retreat to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is early on in his ministry. Yes. He, um, it looks like he hasn't even finished calling the disciples. Like he's mid. Right. Mid calling disciples, maybe. Um, right. No, so you're right. Yeah. He calls, yeah. he calls right. Matthew. He calls, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, all right. So what happens afterward? What, what's this, this thing that happens here, this healing of a paralytic, mm-hmm. is one of a series of things that kind of pop out. And if you just, you know, flip through, you can see. <laughs> yes. He, as, as Kim said, he calls, uh, he calls uh, Levi, uh, Levi uh, mm-hmm. as, a, as a disciple. And then uh, um, there's a question about fasting. And then he does this thing on the Sabbath. And he mm-hmm. says that he's the Lord of the Sabbath. And um, then there's a man with a withered hand. And... That all, that all has a result, and the result uh, can be seen at the end of verse 6 of chapter 3. Uh, the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. Right. And that's early in his ministry. Yes, it Isn't is. Isn't that not amazing? Yes. And so my question to you is, what, what contrasts do you see between chapter 1 and chapter 2 just in setting this whole thing up? Mm. <laughs> it happens so quickly. At least it does to us in these just quick um, chapters. It happens so quickly that he's just now coming forward and beginning to speak truth to people. And you have them wanting to sit and listen and try to figure out and they're trying to discern. And then immediately they're envious of him and plotting to destroy him. It's Uh so quick. Yeah. Very quick. And, you know, I mean, you got John the Baptist and and, uh, you just got kind of this. Mark is a very... Uh, tightly written gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you got the temptation of Jesus. It's just two verses. He right. begins his ministry. <laughs> two verses. And, you know, Mark writes it with this, I mean, prepare the way. Uh, this, he, he quotes Isaiah. It's, it's glorious. It's full of, of, of messianic grandeur. And then er, mm-hmm. Jesus heals a guy, and that puts the whole thing on a track where people now almost immediately despise him yes. and want to destroy him. Right. Man. All right, well, let's look at verse 1 here. Um, it says, he returned to Capernaum after some days. How many days? Do we know? I don't. Do you? No. Okay. I was like, <laughs> um, 
but but the point is, you know, the point is, this is not a linear history. Uh, this is a theological history. Right. So it's history, mm-hmm. but m- lots and lots of things are happening and happening at different times. But Mark, the gospel writer, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. sees fit to package these things here in right. this way. Um, so um, some days pass, and these things are mushed together on purpose. And it says that um, Jesus was at home. Did Jesus own a house? Maybe. Maybe. Do you ever think uh, about that? <laughs> yes, uh, that is just a crazy idea, but it is possible that he owned his own home. I mean, as an adult, he could have owned his own home. It's possible. It's possible he didn't, but it does humanize him in a way that makes him very, oh, wow, okay, he really was a man, and I can understand a part of him. I own my own home. I have to take my own responsibility. Uh-huh. Yeah. And, you know, whether he owned it or not, it was yeah. the place that he f- felt, felt home. as home, you know. Probably, you know, if you look at chapter 1, verse 29, it says, immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John and Simon's mother-in-law's there and so on. It might be that, but it does at least, I, I love what you say, it does, it does make him human. I owned a home when I was 33. Right. Now, he probably didn't have a mortgage payment, but... Uh, <laughs> but you know, you think about your own selves. I mean, people have been kind to me in, in myriad ways over the years. Mm-hmm. I'm some ministry, ministry guy. Right. Um, I think if, if Jesus walked in here, I think people would be really kind mm-hmm. uh, to him if we were his yeah, followers. For you know? sure. For sure. Um, all right. Um, now, it was reported that he was uh, home. And uh, it's, <laughs> it's interesting. I don't know if you saw one of those translations. I, I, but it said... Um, it was reported that he was home. One one commentator said it was noised that he oh. was home. It was like, noised? Yeah, Told the everybody. news got out. You know, <laughs> oh, dang, Jesus is home. And That's like right. everybody goes bonkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they descend on this place. And in verse 2 it says, And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at, at the door. Mm-hmm. And he was preaching the word to them. So you got this really crowded scene, and he's preaching the word to them. My question to you, ladies, is what is the word? Mm. Go ahead, Natalie. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it would have had to have been the Old scripture. Testament. <laughs> the Old Testament. Old Testament. Scripture. Or right. maybe it was right. prophecy about him, maybe. Yeah, or maybe it was that he was coming to establish a new kingdom. I would say those are all great answers. In fact, Kim, what you had a... What is the right a, answer? You, you, you <laughs> cited something that I had written down here. In one of those books. Uh, the message of cheer, liberty, right. salvation, full and free. Oh, yes. That was uh, right. Yes, from four, Luke 4, Luke 18. Four. Yeah. Yes. All right. Well, I would hone that answer even sharper. Mm. Um, the, the very beginning of the expl- explanation of the four soils parable um, in chapter 4, verse 14, it says, um, the sower sows the word. So Jesus uses this parable, and then he explains the parable to the disciples, and he says, this is what it means. The sower sows the word. Mm-hmm. Um, I find this interesting, too. And by the way, after the parable of the mustard seed, he says, well, with many such parables, he spoke the word to them. Uh, I think word is shorthand for the gospel, however we would define it, you know, the message of cheer, liberty, salvation, full and free. Um, but notice in Mark's gospel, you know, Mark's is the first gospel. 
and the, the, the first one written, all right? Okay. So Jesus had said other things like in temptation, his early childhood and so on, um, but the first recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, in, in the New Testament, are these. Jesus comes on the scene. Uh, John's arrested. Jesus comes into Galilee, proclaiming the Gospel of God. He says, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the first thing the Bible sees fit to record for us about what Jesus came to do in his earthly ministry, is to establish um, this this kingdom. Um, And, you know, after Jesus is resurrected uh, in Acts 1, he shows himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So when Jesus is preaching the word, that, that's what he's doing, is he's, he's preaching these, these, all, the gospel and all of its ramifications, um, but, but it, it's under the umbrella of the kingdom of God. Uh, so my question to you is, how is the <laughs> kingdom of God synonymous with the gospel? Because it apparently is. Ah. The kingdom of God synonymous with the gospel. Well, that is the good news. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> so uh, we, I mean, we, it, it, we were talking about how uh, in one of these commentaries that we were looking at, uh, we forget that we belong, we are born into a kingdom of despair, of destruction mm. that has a power over us, and Christ came to obliterate that, to set us free. Yeah. Um, it is the good news, and when he brought that kingdom, it changed everything. It wasn't the kingdom they were looking for. No. That's true. It wasn't obvious. No. And it was hidden from them. So many of these people did not understand um, what the kingdom he was bringing. A Um, better kingdom than what they could have ever imagined. Much better, much more. Indeed. That's great. Well, you know, I, I don't think if you polled the average Christian... I don't think they would come up with a kingdom of God answer real quick. <laughs> Why is that? It's, it's obviously synonymous. I mean, it seems to be really important to Jesus. I mean, he starts his ministry with it. After he's resurrected, he's talking about it. When right. he preaches a sermon on the mount, he's talking about heart righteousness, you know, mm-hmm. kingdom identity. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't Christians think in those terms? Why don't we? Why don't we, why is, why don't just uh, that roll off the lips? Because we're not yet glorified. Because. We're not yet glorified. Here we are, we're still living in the already but not yet. We're yeah. still, we still have this natural man within us. We're not free from that. Um, we still find joy and pleasure in what God has given us in this physical world. And yet we go too far and we find it to be our satisfaction. Mm-hmm. We find it to be the place that we want to make better and call home and because we think this is all we've got and we forget that God's kingdom is an eternal spiritual kingdom we just forget because we're still human that's good Kim that's good um if I were preaching this um I would probably divide the passage here so at the end of verse two if I were having to actually break this passage down if I were going to divide it I'd probably draw a line under verse two and I probably would have called that first point the proclamation of the kingdom of God. All right. So how would you apply that to people's lives? Why does it make a difference to, to us immediately? 
I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what is the question? The question is, if, if we're, if we're going to take this first point, we're going to apply it to people's lives and say, hey, buddy, this is why this matters to you. Jesus is preaching the word. He's come to establish a kingdom, the kingdom of God. He's inaugurated it. As Kim said, he's not yet consummated it, but yeah. he's inaugurated it. Yes. And we live within that, that tension of the already and the not yet. Why does it matter to him that, that he's talking about the kingdom of God? Why does it matter to the church? Well, how does it affect my life like right now? <laughs> uh, beca- I mean, because it separates us from our loves, our our heart that is still drawn and toward running headlong towards darkness and sin. The this kingdom of light um, changes everything, top to bottom, head to toe. Every single thing about our lives is different if we understand what Christ came to do, brought the good news, That's great. set us free. Everything is changed and is different. And it was for at least a paralytic and <laughs> a lot of people that were hearing this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that are hearing this good news that their sins were forgiven. Yeah. So. That's, I think that's awesome. And, you know, I'll add something actually it's an application Kim made right before we started just observing this room you're you're like this is the family I mean this is the this is the people this is the kingdom this is this is us we're us we're we're his and I think just that very thing puts this gigantic premium on what is the church uh, who we are in Christ yeah there's a, it's a there's a kingdom of darkness that is not our home there's a kingdom of light that is mm-hmm. Um, that's great, y'all. Um, all right, uh, let's look at verses 3 and 4. Uh, they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And um, when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And, you know, this is a story, you know, if you've grown up in church, you hear this when you're a kid, and you imagine what it must be like, and you're like, you know, the cartoons all have ropes and, you know, this flat mat. And who knows if it was a, you know, a, a hammock or whatever they lowered him on. Mm-hmm. We don't know if he was, how badly he was injured. If it was two limbs or four limbs, or could he talk? Could he not talk? Right. Don't know the answer. Um, but describe the, 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 the roof. So they're, <laughs> they're you, you kind of read what's going on there. The, the structure, it's kind of like not cinder blocks, but, you know, like, bricks and then up top is what mm-hmm. beams clay beams straw, go across dirt. yeah and then what else yeah i love what you said yesterday because you were talking about how it just takes you into that scene what were you well just that you know he comes crashing down through, i mean maybe it wasn't crashing lowered i don't know but all of a sudden there's a surprise of this man who can't get there on his own being set down in your living room mm-hmm. and <laughs> You know, I think, you know, were they calling State Farm? Because there's (laughs) stuff all, you know, there's a big hole in their ceiling now. Uh So, you know, I'm sure that was surprising. Right. And uh, you also, but you said this, and I thought it was so sweet yesterday because you were like, you know, many of the homes had an outdoor staircase and there probably were children Uh, running around. Hmm. And, 
And, you know, and when we are in a situation like this, when we can't have Amazing Graceland, and, you know, we have children on Sunday morning in our worship services, and, and that grounds us, and the thought of that yeah. is, it, it makes it familiar and familial. I, I do think that is, you know, we forget that these are just ordinary people, ordinary families, people coming to hear this God proclaiming forgiveness of sins and healing people. And we forget sometimes that he was a man and that these are human people who have lives and kids and there are kids with imaginations that are playing and doing things that it's just kind of sweet. And this was the best news they could have ever imagined. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So... Old ancient Palestine structures like that. You know, don't think of your house in Cordova. You know, it's uh, it's uh, much more simple than that. But um, you know, there there were so there were walls and beams on top, and they would put like sticks and thatch and stuff like that, and then pack mud and dirt and stuff like that. And even grass might grow up there. Mm-hmm. In the hot summers, they would might sleep up there, mm-hmm. hang out up there. A lot of them had staircases, as you said. Um, and so when they when they break through the roof, they remove the roof, they're, they're digging through it. And that had to be kind of messy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not just, boom, a guy. <laughs> it was probably some commotion and going, what is this? I, who knows how long that took to come? Mm-hmm. 20 minutes? 30 minutes? <laughs> People going, what in the world? And I just imagine that scene, that, they, that guy finally comes down in front of Jesus. Uh, it, it's just... It's amazing. And here's another thing I wanted to point out. Another little fact I found just personally impacting. When you think of the story and you think about Jesus seeing their faith, whose faith did he see? How many of them were there? There's five of them. Five. Mm-hmm. No one thinks five. <laughs> they discount the, the poor guy laying there. Mm-hmm. But Jesus sees the faith of five people, mm-hmm. four people lovingly doing this thing. All right, in verse 5, it says that Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> Imagine the commotion of getting that thing down and the, the resistance of the, the scribes and religious leadership. And, and down this guy comes, everything settles. The crazy scene of getting him through the ceiling is, is complete. A hush must have fallen over everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't say that here, but I mean, you'd, 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 be, you'd be sitting there going... What's he about to say about all this? And what he says about all this is, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, and he says the word son in all three gospels in which this is recorded. Um, now, we hear your sins are forgiven all the time. That's, that's, that's Christian currency. We're so used to it. But what was that like for these people? How, how radical a thing was that to say? Well, I imagine it was pretty radical. And I don't think it was the expected thing when they drop a paralyzed man through the ceiling. I don't think they expected Jesus to say, son, your sins are forgiven. I don't. What did it have to do with sin? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. It was, I mean, of course. Yeah, I mean. He Upside down kingdom is what he brought. That's hmm. what Jesus brought. And, yeah. so, and I'm sure they're like, wait, he said he could, why is he saying right. he can forgive sins? What does this mean? Uh-huh. Yes. And certainly the scribes and Pharisees were thinking that. 
Yeah. Yeah, and you know, that was a concern apparently in that culture. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in uh, John 9, Jesus answers um, his disciples, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. You know, right. I think that was a, probably a common thing. Uh, but you know, there's, I'm not saying there aren't consequences of sin. There are. But there's no such thing as karma. <laughs> karma doesn't exist. And I think these people in a, in a loose way kind of believed in karma. You do a bad thing or your parents do a bad thing right. and then bad for you, buddy. Now, sure. what, what's the problem here? Right. But it's not that. But, and so my question to you ladies is, <laughs> okay. why does Jesus take this opportunity for physical healing and, you know, dynamic, uh, vivid, vividly, he ties that to the forgiveness of sins. He takes a healing and he ties it to sins. You know, some people debate and they say, well, it's really two issues because verse 5 says this and verse 10 says this and it's two things. I don't think it's two things. I think it's intrinsically uh, woven. Mm -hmm. Why does Jesus do that? I'm going to let Natalie answer <laughs> this one. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm... I mean, it seems, it seems somewhat obvious, so I'm afraid to no, say no, it. No, go ahead. <laughs> Jesus? Church? <laughs> um, I mean, to be really healed is to have your sins forgiven. So he's talking about something, like he's talking about true healing, like eternal healing. Eternal healing and mm -hmm. holistic healing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, all right, I'm going to go back to my 3 a.m. answer. <laughs> Jesus' ministry was and is one of authority. Well, he comes with mm -hmm. kingdom authority and he comes to set up a kingdom, mm -hmm. a kingdom of light, a spiritual kingdom, but it's a kingdom that, that, that provides access to God, relief of our sin, but has this holistic, ultimate, mm -hmm. you know, reparation of all things, you know, bubbling underneath the surface. Mm -hmm. That's pretty, uh, that's that's right. pretty exciting. Yep, yeah. All right. Um, so if I were preaching through this passage, I probably would have called that point that we just talked about the restoration of the kingdom of God. Gotcha. That you've got, you know, this holistic fixing of things. Mm -hmm. And this, this healing of this guy is a foretaste of that. Mm -hmm. You know, he heals this man's body. He really does heal him out of compassion. Yeah. He, he's addressing the deeper need, which is his reconciliation because with God. Has, has he healed his body yet? We haven't gotten there. No, we haven't gotten yet. We haven't gotten there yet. Slow down, Jim. Okay, sorry. Mm -hmm. I'm like, has yeah. he healed his body um. yet? <laughs> he's just forgiven his sins. Mm -hmm. All right, application for your life. I would say something like this. Um, it, it's kind of like going to the doctor with a sprained pinky. And the doctor, this is things killing me. I, I just, I had to come in, COVID and everything. I had to come and get my pinky looked at. And the doctor not only heals your pinky, but he fixes your knee problems. And uh, my baldness issue is dealt with. And uh, he fixes everything about me. Oh, and he also adopts me as his own son and makes me heir to everything he owns. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a great physician. Mm -hmm. Is it not? It is. Any other thoughts that you would say about why that matters <laughs> to somebody's life? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I do love the idea that you brought up adoption because that's that is true, son. Um, not only am I going to call you to be a part of my kingdom, uh, someone that's forgiven can now be a part of this kingdom of light. 
Um, you are now entrance into this new kingdom. But not only that, I now make you a prince of this kingdom. You are my child. You are my son. And to your point that Jesus had the authority to do that. No one else did. No one else had been given that. Not Moses, not Elijah. Only God could forgive sins. He had given them away. They had not followed it well. Um, It was very works-oriented, and here Christ came with an upside-down kingdom and called people's son. That is great. You got something to jump in on or no? Well, that pulls us to the the, the third point, I think, really, really well. this, this comprehensive ministry of Jesus. If I, if I were to name this third point, I would probably call it the glory of the kingdom of God, the glory. The glory. Um, verses 6 and 7, it goes on. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there, religious leadership, questioning in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, it's important to note that Jesus never chastised their theology. No. He said, no, you guys got it all wrong. He doesn't say that. They, do, they have, do they have it wrong? Their they theology right? was right. They got it right. Their theology yeah. is right. Now, they have layers and layers of law upon, upon the intent of the law, uh, but, but they were right. And so in verse 8, it says, immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, uh, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Now, right here, lots and lots and lots of people want to go, no. They... they <laughs> Sorry. They, <laughs> Do they? They get excited about, you know, spooky. They like spooky things. Ooh, okay. So is, is the Holy Spirit of God revealing to, I mean, you could just open up this entire right. dialogue that would take the rest of the time. But um, is, is the Holy Spirit of God revealing something uh, per the will of the Father to Jesus so that he can discern these things? Or is he just using his brain, uh, sizing these dudes up? What do you think? I have that question, actually. I said, is it that they just, he sensed their reaction. Maybe they were making snarky faces, you know, or is it that he was God and he perceived this to be true? I probably tend to, he was God, but I'm open to discussion on that. <laughs> gotcha. I, I mean, I, I mean, it could, I don't, I mean, you may have an, uh, the right answer, but I mean, couldn't it be both? I mean, couldn't it be both? Here he was, he had lived for 30 years perfectly, but not in a vacuum. He had watched and he knew people and he understood how they thought. And here he was without sin, so he probably could understand and perceive people way better than we can. Um, He didn't have sinful inclinations about people that we are muddled up by. and so I think it's a possibility that it's both, but maybe maybe it's not um, the spirit leading him, but it's still possible because it does only refer to their hearts, does not refer to their faces. Yeah, true. Um, true. It does refer to their spirit and their hearts. Um, he perceived in his spirit, perceived in his spirit. Yeah, but, that's great. I love your answer. And I within think. themselves. So it's all there. All of it seems to be internal points to internal things, not necessarily external things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a great answer. So what do you think? I'm with y'all. I'm with y'all. <laughs> I tend to think he probably just observed them. Yeah, I, I remember I, years ago, many years ago, there was a, 
I used to teach a Bible study around a table, and there was this one guy that would do this every time. I'd be talking, and the whole time he'd go. <laughs> and I perceived what was going on in my heart, you know. Um, Much love, joy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was definitely hostile territory. It's like doing a chapel at Rossville Academy. But, um, and I'm sure that he knew they weren't like for him. Right. Like, I mean, these weren't people that were like, coming for him. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I want to hear what he's saying yeah. because I'm loving what I'm hearing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I want to get him. Yeah. Yeah, feel you. Okay, but I, I, love, I love what you said, Kim. It's, I, I, why can't it be a little bit of both? All right, um, what else do we want to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Jesus perceives it, it's in their heart. He says, why do you question these things in your hearts? And he says, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? Well, which is easier? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. It's not easier to do, but it's yeah. easier to <laughs> yeah. say. But, yes, but you're right. But, but who's going to know? Yeah. You know, your sins are forgiven. Okay. Well, I, no one can see inside Howard's Thornburg's heart, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, so it's easier just to say a thing. But then he goes on to say, uh, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Now, one thing that's easy to blow by in this whole story Ooh. is that term Son of Man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what is. is what, that's Jesus' self-designation. That's his favorite self-designation. Mm-hmm. What, what is meant by that? <laughs> Natalie? <laughs> <laughs> When you don't know the answer, you say Natalie. Yes. Um, well, um, he is proclaiming his humanity, that he is a man. I think it goes back to Daniel 7 um, uh, when um, the Son of Man is described, um, right. when Daniel has his dream yeah. and talks about um, the Son of Man. Um, so maybe, I think it has something to do with that. I think so, too. Now, on the one hand... Guy of the people, son of man, you know, like you and me, humanity. Yeah. humanity. But, uh, yeah, you know, in, in Daniel, I mean, check out the thrust of this whole thing. Um, there's this vision, uh, clouds of heaven came down like a son of man, and he came to the ancient of days, the father. Love it. And was presented before the father, this son of man person. And to him was given dominion and a glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Uh, won't pass away. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. There you got the kingdom again. It's this kingdom savior. Is that not awesome? It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. All right. So then he, 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 he says to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately uh, that happens, and everyone's amazed, and they, they, they all walk out of there glorifying uh, God. And by the way, that, self, that son of man thing is said 14 times in the, in the, in the book of uh, Mark. Um, well, I bet that whole place went just bananas. <laughs> I mean, the guy gets up. Um, obviously, it's not some act. It's this big production, and uh, he gets up, and he's, he's fixed. Um, and yet, it was not long uh, after that that, that, the, that the religious leadership is teaming up with the Herodians against Jesus on... Not how to, like, get him out of power or kind of, right. you, know, you know, flip the, flip the system. It's, they, they want to destroy him. Um, and then 30 months later or so, the crowd is yelling, crucify him, crucify him. They did. Why, why is that so starkly different? 
Why, why everyone's, by the way, that's one of the, this is one of those situations where all doesn't mean all. You know, right. everybody, they, they all yes, were all. amazed and glorified mm-hmm. God. Well, not the scribes. Right. They were not. They wanted to destroy him. So all doesn't all, always mean all. Mm-hmm. But why is, it, why is it met with such resistance? They didn't like that. I mean, they didn't like the power was going to be taken away from them. Their, their authority would be usurped. That there is, I mean, that's what I think. I mean, I'm yeah, definitely, definitely. They're, they were losing the authority. They had the authority at that time. But, I mean, we, I mean, I'm, I'm one of them. I mean, I, I love my sin. I didn't, you know, I don't give it up easily or quickly. Um, and so... We forget, we talked about this earlier before, we forget how much power our darkness has over us. This kingdom of the flesh has over us. Yeah. And I think it's still, it's so evident in them. And they, they, were, they were not ready, they were not watching, they were not hoping, they were comfortable and happy and wanted to maintain it, and they would do anything. And but it was also, sorry, but sorry, say that again. Oh, no, I, you were. No, I'm just, you know, their heart, they, they sit there and heard the same things. I mean, they're hearing the same gospel message that everyone's hearing, mm-hmm. but they didn't have ears to hear. Right? Yeah. They, God had not enabled them to hear the truth, and they were clinging to all their man-made. I mean, you know, there was what God said, and then there was all the things that they had added to it that they were so rigid about. Yeah. And... Um, and they liked that. We like that. Mm-hmm. We like our little, neat little rules and yeah. our things. And it's hard. I think it's interesting that the people who studied, that the, were the scholars and studied the, mo- the most, have missed the point. Yes. And we do miss, we're, I mean, we miss the point, too, that there was faith. I mean, these five had faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The gift of faith had been given to them. They believed that Jesus, they were desperate. They believed that Jesus could heal, and he did. And the scribes saw no need for. Yeah. They had no desperation for faith, for healing. And yeah. it's only when we're desperate that we can come mm-hmm. come to Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were poor in spirit. They were desperate. There yeah. was nowhere, nowhere else they could go. Yeah. So. Hey, I'll, I'll close with these two things. Uh, thing number one, it actually just kind of popped in my head as y'all were talking. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld is in his 60s, which is hard to believe. And he likes it. He said, he, said that, he said, the great thing about being in your 60s is when somebody asks you to do something, you don't want to do it, you just say no. <laughs> I'm not sure he ever was like, cared. No, I don't think he actually did care. Uh, it, having $800 million changes the, the dynamics a little bit. But, um, but, you know, that's what we all want, right? Uh, I want to do the thing that I want to do it the way I want to do it, and somebody says, no, you can't, that's not the right way to do it. This is the right way to do it. You just want to go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm naturally resistant to something that's opposing my will. The God of this book gets to tell us everything about how he wants us to be and how the world is designed, and, and we fight against it, and we have sin propensities, each of us. Uh, we have environmental pressure, pressures, each of us. God says it's a certain way, and so it's a certain way. And when, when Christ inaugurates his kingdom, it is, uh, it's exciting. They all glorify God. Wow, that guy got up. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. 
but boy, there's this deep resistance when you, when you peel all the way, all the cultural friendly stuff away, it's this deep resistance. All right, the last thing I'll say is this. Um, you know, the kingdom of God, the reason I, I wanted to stress it is I, I feel like that, that, I think that I think the passage pulls us that way, that, that, that Christ is inaugurating this new thing, and he does so with, you know, kingdom authority. I mean... If he's come to set up a kingdom, that means there's a king with subjects. That means he's got authority, and he demonstrates that authority and so on. Well, you know, it's a kingdom, but it's a family, and it's a race. It is a new people group. It is a unique thing. It's a new identity. There's a new agenda. Um, It's it's this familial relationship with each other and with God. And what could be more immediately applicable than that in this day, right at this hard moment? The answer is the gospel. And when you're in the family of God, you're in this new family. It's a different family. And I'll I'll say this. If you're you're defining yourself, and and I say, uh, Jim, define yourself. Well, I'm 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 a Chicagoan. That's the wrong answer. Uh, I'm a husband to my wife. That's true. That's the wrong answer. The, the first thing we are is a Christian. That's our identity. Um, and if there's going to be any kind of help in our culture, it's got to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who, who, he changes us from the inside out and makes this herky-jerky people from the time he came to a, uh, Abraham in, in Genesis 12, from that, that moment um, he, was, he was making for himself uh, a people, a, a special particular people. And so uh, I would leave us with this. You either have Christ or you need Christ. And if you need Christ, if somebody needs Christ, then we ought to, um, then we ought to, in the power of the Holy Ghost, try our best to love them into the kingdom, whatever that looks like, knowing that God is doing the work. And if you have Christ, then we need to remember that uh, we have the same, it's the same blood, the same Lord, the same hope, uh, and the same forgiveness. Uh, Natalie, Kim, thank you, ladies, very much. That was a, really a joy. Uh, let's go ahead and, uh, you, Kim, you want to close in prayer? Oh, sure. Please. No problem. Father, we come to you. We are so thankful that you have loved us, that you are, um, you have sovereignly called us to you. Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to look to your word. Help us to find um, and understand the identity that comes with being adopted into this beautiful kingdom of God. Help us, Lord. Help us to leave here tonight uh, thinking a little bit more about what that means to be forgiven of sins and to be healed um, from the darkness of this world. Father, help us to think eternally and help it to make a difference in how we live our lives. It's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray all of these things. Amen. Amen. I see you next week with Jonathan Todd. Thanks, everybody. Thanks so much for.